The scripture reading this morning will be 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. If you're using the Pew Bible, that'll be on page 965. 965. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to participate, to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded their minds of the, of the unbelievers, but to, to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Good morning. It's great to see you this morning. We've got a number of visitors among us. We're really glad that you've come to be with us this morning to worship God together with us. I'm wearing a name tag right now. If you would like someone to pray with you, if you're struggling with something or you have questions, look for a man with a name tag that says elder on it. There are a number of them among us this morning. You'll find them after services around the back of the auditorium and in the foyer, and they would love to sit down with you and to answer questions you might have. They would love to pray with you if you're struggling with something, our elders would really love for you to, to take advantage of that. So please look for a man with a name tag that says elder, like this one. And mine doesn't say that, but, it, but look for someone who does. And uh, they would love the opportunity to, to pray with you and to, and to study with you if you'd like to do that. Um, it's something that, you know, people don't always want to make their needs known publicly, but there are people who really love you here and we would love to be able to help you if, if you need those kinds of things. This is Vacation Bible School Week. A lot of work has been going on this past week in preparation for tomorrow night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night. I want to make you known, as a, uh, make you aware as adults, there are classes for, there is a class for adults each night this week. Um, just know this, the adult class will start about 7.15 each evening. So if you'd like to come and, you know, you can watch the, uh, the you know, the, the, the big get together with the kids and stuff if you like. It's all going to be over there in the fellowship building uh, like it was last year. Uh, but, but if you don't have any interest in participating in that part of it, but you'd like to come to the adult class, we're going to be tomorrow night and Tuesday night. Listen carefully. Adult class will be in the small auditorium. That's across the way. Um, you can just walk into the small auditorium and wait for us. We'll be there at 715 each night. And then Wednesday night, we're going to be in this room. Uh, because our Hispanic brethren use the small auditorium on Wednesday nights. And so we'll be back in uh, the auditorium here on Wednesday night about 7.15 for the adult class. And if you'd just like to participate in that, you're welcome to come. And we're going to be talking about the book of Daniel. So tomorrow night, we'll be talking about the handwriting on the wall in Daniel 5. Tuesday night, K.J. Moore is going to teach. And uh, he's going to be teaching about Daniel chapter 3, the fiery furnace. And then on Wednesday night, Brother Eric Winkler will be uh, uh, teaching the adult class about uh, Daniel and the lion's den in Daniel chapter 6. So take advantage of that. This is a great opportunity to invite your friends and your neighbors, especially those with kids. And uh, a lot of work has gone into this. Got to give thanks to Michael Poole. He's our, he's our 10 talent man who uh, is kind of overseeing and coordinating a lot of this. And I just embarrassed him by saying that, but it's true. Um, we're thankful though to all of our teachers and lots and lots and lots of hard work has gone into this. So be prayerful about this event. And uh, if, if you're able to, we'd love to have you come and participate with us. 
again, tomorrow night, 7.15, everything's over there, okay? Nothing happening in this building tomorrow night and Tuesday night, but then Wednesday night, adult class will be in here. Thank you for that. This morning for the lesson, I am going to be introducing a project, I guess that's what I'm going to call it, a project that we as a congregation are going to involve ourselves in for the rest of 2022. So you need to listen, especially at the end of this lesson, but the project has to do with helping us as a congregation to be more involved in saving souls, to be more intentional about reaching out with the gospel to those around us. And I believe there's some things that all of us as a congregation can do together in the rest of this particular year. Brother Jeremy Ross is our deacon responsible for evangelism, daily personal evangelism. He's been heavily involved in this. Brother Jordan Moore, KJ Moore, Daniel Mata, and the elders. We've been talking about this and praying about this and planning this for quite some time now. And so I'm going to be presenting a lesson this morning about the mission of God. If you've got your Bible, open it up to 2 Corinthians 4. And I want to give you, just as we begin this morning, I want to give you a picture of what sharing the gospel looks like, what sharing the gospel looks like. And then toward the end of the lesson, I'll be presenting some specifics for all of us as a congregation in the time that we have that God blesses us with, we hope, in the rest of this particular year. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, brothers and sisters and friends, the God of heaven has a mission He is on a mission, and his mission is to save souls. His mission is to ransom people from their sin. His mission is to help everyone see the glory of Jesus Christ and to have people submit their lives and their will to him through Jesus. As a matter of fact, the very theme of the Bible is just that. It is the salvation of man to God's glory through Jesus Christ. That's what the very theme of the Bible is. God wants to save people. And here's the really mind-blowing aspect of this particular mission. It's the fact that God invites you and me. He wants us to participate with him in that mission. God wants to save people. He wants to save your family. He wants to save your neighbors. He wants to save the people in this community. He wants to save everyone. He's not willing that any should perish, 2 Peter 3 verse 9. And he invites us. We get to play a part if we so desire, and I hope that we do because that's the definition of a Christian, we get to play a part in participating with him in this great work of saving souls. As a matter of fact, when Jesus called his apostles, he said, follow me and I will make you into fishers of men. Those men were just fishing for fish, but Jesus said, I'm going to teach you to fish for something even better. Mark 1, 17. In Mark 16, 15, he gave the great commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You apostles and you disciples of mine are participants in the mission of God. Go and preach the gospel to everyone. In Acts 1 verse 8, he says to his apostles, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I'm sending you. You are my representatives, my ambassadors. You are participating with me, Jesus says, in this mission of saving souls. In Acts 18, 9 and 10, Paul, uh, uh, Jesus told Paul to remain in Corinth because he had many people in that city. There were still people that he wanted Paul to teach and to bring to the light. We can participate with God in this mission. In 1 Corinthians 3, verses 5 through 9, Paul writes about how he had planted and Apollos had watered. And he said, the one who plants and the one who waters is nothing. It's God who gives the increase. But we are fellow laborers with God. We work together with him. We are building something because we're bringing the light of the gospel to people. 
God invites us, brothers and sisters and friends, to participate with him in his mission to save the world. Let me just say, this is not an extracurricular in the school of being a Christian. This is not just a course that, you know, this may be for other people, but it's not for me. I'm a Christian and I choose to serve in other ways, but this is kind of an extracurricular and I don't choose to take this one. Evangelism and saving souls and bringing people to the gospel, this is not extra. This is, brothers and sisters and friends, this is who we are supposed to be as Christians. This is what our hearts and our minds and our lives are supposed to be all about. And so one of the reasons why as a church, we're going to focus on some specific disciplines for the rest of the year that have to do with soul saving and soul winning is because this is our identity. We are participants with God in his great mission to redeem the world from sin. This is what he created us to be in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 2 verse 10. This is what God expects of us as his people. Be a soul winner. Be concerned about the people that are lost. We are like beggars who have found a feast and we want others to come and enjoy the great things that God has provided for us. We want him to, them to know him and we want to participate with him in this work. Now, having said all that, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. And what you find in that passage is Paul, the apostle, talking about participating in this mission. We, talk, we find him talking about evangelism and sharing the gospel. He is an apostle, of course, but this extends and applies to all of us as New Testament Christians. And what's interesting in the New Testament is that you don't find a lot of passages that, you know, just spell out in a logical format. Here's exactly what you need to do when you share the gospel. But what you do find a lot of in the New Testament are passages like this one that show you what it looks like to share the gospel. A picture of what it looks like. If I were to be serious about sharing the gospel with others, if this was my mission, if this were something that I was participating in because this is what God wants and this is his heart, what would it look like in my life and yours? Let's read the passage together and listen. He's sharing the gospel and he's talking about the difficulties and the challenges and he's talking about the glory of doing just this. Pulling no punches, not allowing us to have any kind of pie in the sky, view of things, but rather seeing the glory of Christ and sharing that with others. Listen to the passage, 2 Corinthians 4, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we have received this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, verse 3, verse 4, whose minds the God of this age have blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, but we have this treasure, he's talking about the gospel treasure, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed, 
always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. In this passage, we find three practical principles about evangelism, about sharing the gospel with others. What I want you to notice first of all is that the apostle teaches that sharing the gospel demands integrity. Integrity. It means that we are true and real from the inside out. And notice what he says in verses one through four. If we're going to be involved in sharing the gospel, it's gonna require something of us. We're going to have to see that the ministry that God has given us is a superior ministry. Now, Paul is talking in this passage about being an apostle. And in Second Corinthians chapter three, Paul has spoken about the ministry of the apostles and how their ministry was superior to the ministry of Moses. As a matter of fact, if you look at Second Corinthians three, verse six, God made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. He's talking about the difference between the old Testament and the new Testament, the old covenant and the new covenant in second Corinthians chapter three. And then in chapter four, he says, therefore, since we have this ministry as we have received mercy, We need as the people of God to appreciate that what we have in Christ and what we have in the gospel is superior to everything that God provided to the Jews under the old law. It's better, it's new, and it has a savior. That was what was lacking in the Old Testament. It showed people about the holiness of God and about the necessity of sacrifice for sin. It showed people about their need for a savior, but the Old Testament did not provide that savior. And the New Testament does. And when Paul talks about receiving this ministry, he's saying, we know the Savior and we know the answer to sin. And therefore, what we have to offer the world is a superior ministry. It's a greater ministry. It's a better ministry than anything that Moses ever did. We have to have that in our minds and in our hearts. People are lost without Jesus Christ. If people don't know him, there is no hope for them. Where will they turn if not to him? And where will they find forgiveness if not in him? The son of man has the power to forgive sins. Mark chapter two, verses nine and 10. And he will forgive anyone who comes to him in submissive faith. It is a superior ministry. And notice how Paul thinks about his ministry in verse one. He says, as we have received mercy. God has been merciful to us, brothers and sisters and friends. He's been merciful to us in allowing us to participate in this mission to save the world from sin. But having said that, Paul immediately turns to some of the challenges of this particular ministry. He says, but we have, look at verse two, we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Now, wait a minute. Why, if this is such a great ministry, why would anybody ever be tempted to handle the word of God deceitfully? Why would anyone ever be crafty or cunning or manipulative in sharing the gospel? Here's why. Because the world does not always like what they hear when they hear the truth. As a matter of fact, the truth can be downright offensive to people. 
And therefore, the temptation always exists for those who share the gospel to sugarcoat things, to overlook things that God has told in his word. In Acts 20, verse 27, Paul talked about his integrity. He said, he said I did not shun to declare to you the whole counsel of God, everything God has given. Acts 20, verse 27. But there's a temptation to start to trim the message to suit the people that we are teaching, to not share the, the, the plain truth. Notice what Paul says, we've not renounced these, or we've renounced these things and we've manifested the truth in verse two, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. He's, he's writing to his brethren and he's saying, when I was among you there in Corinth, I want you to remember the kind of teaching I gave you, whether it was easy for you to hear or whether it was difficult for you to hear, I did not manipulate, I did not trim the message, I did not change the message, I gave you the word that I had received from the Lord. And then he thinks in verse three, he says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds, verse four, the God of this age has blinded. There's been some different things written about that phrase, the God of this age, but you know, I believe what Paul is referencing here is the word age could mean this particular generation or this particular culture, this particular society. What Paul is saying is essentially this, because of the culture in which we live, he's writing to Corinth 2000 years ago, people are not going to necessarily accept the gospel. The God of this age, the God of this particular present culture, this particular present time has blinded some people's minds so that when we try to share the gospel with them, they will not hear because they are so steeped in what they believe is right and what they believe is the right way to live and the right way to do things. And you see that even now, don't you? Go and tell somebody that there's only one way to be saved and it's through Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden you're gonna lose a lot of your audience if you're not careful. But people are, you're already starting on a, on a bad footing with a lot of people because the God of this age has blinded people's minds to what truth is all about. Or if you talk about the undenominational nature, the unique nature of the church that Jesus built, all of a sudden you could find yourself on the wrong side of a lot of discussions because people in this culture, in this present time, have the idea that it really doesn't matter where you worship and it really doesn't matter how you worship, as long as you're sincere, everything will be okay. And you find yourself on a difficult side of that discussion. And so the temptation is, and many other issues could be brought up, the temptation for us in sharing the gospel is, well, let's not talk about those things. Paul says, we've renounced all of that. We've renounced the hidden things. We've renounced that kind of the, the, uh, the, the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness. We're not doing that in sharing the gospel. We are telling people the truth because integrity demands it. There are people in your life that need to hear the truth. They need to hear about the greatness of Jesus Christ. And the Bible is showing us a picture of what that looks like. We must be men and women of integrity. We must decide in our heart of hearts that this is a superior ministry, that all of God's truth is relevant and applicable to our lives, and we must submit to all of what he has written in order to be pleasing to him. What's required for Christians is that we have a backbone, that we have some resolve, that we have some courage, and most of all, that we submit to the word of God. The truth is what saves people. It's what sanctifies people. John 8, 32, John 17, verse 17, sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. People need to hear it and they need to hear it with unqualified integrity from us. 
You want to get involved in this mission of God? You want to be a part of what God has designed you to be? Integrity is essential. Incidentally, there are other ways that people might lack integrity in sharing the gospel. Sometimes we do it because of fear. You know, what if somebody comes across the wrong, you know, what if I come across the wrong way or somebody gets really upset with the content of what I'm saying? Sometimes, sometimes people begin to share the truth because they think they'll get some money out of it. And because there is money to be made and in serving and pleasing uh, people and, and, and giving them, um, you know, for example, giving them uh, the truth and expecting remuneration in return. And sometimes people do that just because of the financial rewards. Again, craftiness, manipulation. And sometimes, sometimes people become bullies. Spiritual bullies, oh, they may mean well, but they become bullies and they try to bully other people into doing what God wants them to do. A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. But sometimes people take on this attitude of being a bully and, and, and really kind of, you know, make, making sure that, that the people are, 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 you know, in your face, things like that. The gospel and sharing the gospel demands integrity. We want to have the mind of Christ and the spirit of Christ in declaring the glory of Jesus Christ. Which leads us to the second picture here. As you think about what sharing the gospel is, sharing the gospel, brothers and sisters, displays the glory of Christ. That's what we're all about. We want to display his greatness. And I want you to think about this as we think about evangelism for the rest of the year. There are a lot of details and particulars that the New Testament says are essential. It is essential to belong to the church that Jesus died for. It is essential to worship God in spirit and in truth. It is essential to live as God would have us to live in a moral way against many of the things that are being done around us in the world. It's essential to be holy because God is holy. Those things are all essential to being and living as a New Testament Christian. But do not forget what I'm about to say. Brothers and sisters, we proclaim Jesus Christ. And if we don't put the emphasis on him, we're going to start putting emphasis on the essentials, which are essential, and we're going to help people to focus on the essentials and miss Christ if we're not careful. I want you to listen carefully to what Paul says. We preach Jesus. Listen in verse uh, four, the, the second part of the verse. The light of the glory of the gospel of Christ, who is the image of God shining on people. In our evangelistic endeavors and sharing the gospel, we must proclaim and lift up Jesus. We must talk about his person and his work. This passage reminds us of a Hebrews chapter one, verse three, where Paul calls Jesus, excuse me, the writer of Hebrews calls Jesus the express image of God's glory, the icon, the one who shows the light of God, the light of God's light. Who is Jesus? He is everything that God is. And he shows us who God is in his person. The fact that he's holy, the fact that he's meek and gentle, but the fact that he's a God of justice and a God of truth and a God of wrath, those things are all evident in Jesus. He talked about where people are gonna spend eternity. You have a choice and there is no third option. You will be saved or you'll be lost. There is no door number three. Jesus made those kinds of exclusive claims. No one comes to the Father except by me. That's his person, but also his work. 
the fact that he came to this world and the fact that he suffered and the fact that he died for us and the fact that he rose on the third day and he's now ascended to the right hand of the throne of God and he intercedes for us, ever living to make intercession for us, Hebrews 7 verse 25. Those kinds of things need to be heard by people because that is the gospel. That's the good news. And one of the things we do in today's generation, because so many of our friends and neighbors have grown up in denominational groups and they've grown up kind of hearing some things about Jesus, is we assume that people understand all of this. We assume that the people that are working in the next cubicle next to us at work, they kind of understand the person of Jesus and the work of Jesus. And so we just move on to what, you know, the the practical essentials, where should I worship and how should I worship and those kinds of things. When we share the gospel, make sure that the glory of Christ is being seen. And when the glory of Christ is properly seen, then the lordship of Christ is going to be emphasized. Look at verse five. We do not, Paul says, proclaim ourselves. We're not talking about how good we are and how charismatic we are. We proclaim ourselves as your servants and Jesus Christ as, notice the word, Lord. He is the authority. Where I worship and how I worship matters. The way that somebody comes to Christ matters. We cannot deceive or manipulate people. We can't do that because it matters because he is Lord. But the emphasis is upon his lordship. All authority, Jesus says, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Matthew 28 verse 18, listen to him. He's the one with authority. We preach the lordship of Christ and we preach the greatness of God in the gospel. Look at verse six. It is the God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness back in Genesis. Let there be light and there was light. And the same God that did that, Paul says, has commanded light to shine the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You wanna see God's light, you look at the face of Jesus. You look at who he is and what he's all about and you're gonna see something of the greatness and the majesty and the magnificence of God. Sharing the gospel, brothers and sisters, is not getting people just to check off a list of bullet points. Do you agree with this? Do you not agree with that? That can be, that has its place. It can be essential. But sharing the gospel is about helping people to come into a relationship and a saving knowledge of God through his son, Jesus Christ, who is the only one who can save us from our sins. And if you don't hear anything else that I say in the next six months, listen to this. We must lift up Jesus more now than ever before. People need to see him. They need to look to him. They need to allow him to be the authority and the Lord of their lives. That is first and foremost, that is primary in sharing the gospel and everything else that we do comes from that. Because if we don't do that first and foremost, what's going to happen in our evangelistic endeavors is we're gonna focus on something less than that, still important, still essential, but less than that. And we're gonna convert people to something besides Jesus himself. Let's make sure that we display the glory of Christ in the way that we share the gospel. Not allowing any of God's word to fall and not allowing anything that he teaches to fail. But Jesus is the reason. Next, as you look at the picture of what sharing the gospel looks like, and by the way, our confidence here, our confidence is not in, you know, ourselves and our ability to be eloquent and our ability to, you know, we we can really, with a silver tongue, we can say all the right things. Our confidence is in the fact that Jesus Christ is the image of God. Our confidence is in the fact that Jesus Christ is the Lord and the fact that the greatness of God will be seen when we just talk about who Jesus is and what he came to do. That's where our confidence is found. 
The power is in the message. The power is in the gospel. Romans chapter one, verse 16. Sharing the gospel displays the glory of Christ. Now look at verses seven through 12. Sharing the gospel, brothers and sisters and friends, we're just looking at pictures, a picture of what it looks like. It involves dying to self. I suspect that one of the reasons why more Christians do not think more about saving souls is because of this passage right here and what it has to teach. It demands unqualified integrity and it involves dying to self. Listen to what Paul says in verse seven. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. When my kids were, were smaller, we would get them presents. And I don't know if your kids ever did this, but did you ever have a kid that, you know, you might've spent a little bit of money on the present, but they take the present out and they play with the box, the wrapping. Did your kids ever do that? And you look at your kid, I mean, I'm glad they have an imagination, but they spent a lot of money on the present. Why are you playing with the box? Well, the box is fun, dad. It's, you know, I could use my imagination and be a robot or whatever. And, and so kids start playing with the box and leave the present out. What Paul is saying is, when it comes to the gospel, we're just the box. Jars of clay, there's nothing inherently special about us. There's nothing inherently unique about us. We're just the box, we're just the wrapping. The treasures on the inside. We have this treasure, the gospel in earthen vessels. The power and the excellency is of God, not of us. It's the message that saves people. It's not who we are and what we're all about. It's the message that is important. And if we have that in our minds and in our hearts, then notice, notice what Paul says about his ministry. He talks about being hard pressed and about being perplexed. I've had some Bible studies where I have left really perplexed, haven't you? I've had some conversations with people where when I've walked away from them, I've just been, how can somebody see that this is true and yet still deny that this is true? It just doesn't make any sense, I'm perplexed. I'm confused. How could somebody leave a Bible study and not see the greatness of Jesus or the importance of, of worshiping in a way that God desires? How could somebody just walk away and say, eh, that's not for me? Perplexed. Paul talks about being persecuted and he talks about being struck down. And if anybody knew about being struck down, it was a man who had been stoned and left for dead. Paul says, this is part of my ministry in the gospel. And even though all these things have happened, I'm not forsaken, I'm not, I'm not discouraged, not dismayed. Even though I've been struck down, he says, I'm not destroyed. And then look at what he says in verse 10. This is profound. You wanna be an evangelist, you memorize verses 10 and 11 of 2 Corinthians 4, memorize them. Listen, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus so that Notice the cause, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. And he doesn't say that once but twice. In verse 11, for we who live, evangelists, are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. There is a beautiful paradox and it is difficult. When it comes to sharing God's word, the more we die to self, the more we participate in what Paul calls the life of Jesus. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. One of the songs in our songbook. Oh, to be like thee, blessed redeemer. 
Another song in our songbook. None of self and all of thee. Another song in our songbook. We're singing about this a lot. But the, the, the passage here is saying, if we really want to become like Jesus, if we really want to participate in what Paul calls the life of Christ, and it's a blessed life, it's a glorious life, but it is a difficult life in many ways. If we really desire to participate in the life of Christ, the more we die to self, the more we're gonna be able to participate in his life. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, Galatians 2 verse 20. The more we die to self, the more we know Jesus. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, Paul said that was all he really wanted out of life. He said, all I really want, I don't want to be known for my academic background or my upbringing or my heritage. I don't want to be known for any of that stuff. I just want to know Jesus. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection, and I want to share in his sufferings and be conformed to his death. So make no mistake and have no illusions about this participating in the ministry of God, the mission of God. The illusion is not there in the Bible that, you know, this will just be easy and it's just something you can do as kind of a side gig. You know, you can, you can do this as, you know, just kind of an addendum to your life as a Christian. This is what it means to follow Jesus. Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And this, this is the cost. There will be people who perplex you. There will be people who persecute you. There will be people who strike you. And yet, because we want to know Jesus, we continue with unqualified integrity because we realize the message and the ministry is so important. People need to know the gospel. They need to hear the truth. God wants men to be saved. And because God wants that so much, so do we. That's what it means to be an evangelist. With all that in our minds and fresh in our hearts, allow me to present the following. You guys that have been here for a couple years at least probably remember reading in sync. Remember reading in sync? The whole church for, I don't know, about eight months or so, we, we read together every day from the Bible. Well, we're not doing reading in sync for the rest of 2022. We are going to have a program that is entitled Evangelism in Sync because we couldn't think of a better way of, you know, putting that. So, Evangelism in Sync. Here we go. As a congregation, from July to December of 2022, we are every month going to be investing in a particular area of trying to bring souls to God. As a congregation, and what we're going to do is present a challenge at the beginning of every month. So next Sunday morning, I know a bunch of you are going to be out of town because it's holiday weekend. I get that. But next Sunday morning, I'm going to present the challenge for July. And if you're going to be out of town, here's the challenge. It's really, it's not easy, but it's, it's a challenge. The challenge is start praying for the souls that you know need to be saved. That's what we're going to do in July. We're going to pray intentionally and repeatedly and purposely for the people that we know are lost, because we care about them. And if we don't talk to God first about those people, why would we ever go talk to the people in the first place, right? And so for July, that's what we're gonna be doing. And I'll talk more about that next time. But every month, we're gonna have a challenge like that. And it's a challenge that I believe every single one of us can be a part of. 
We're not asking you to go out and have a Bible study in from start to finish. If you do that, that's great. But we're not asking you to do that. We're asking you to intentionally pray for the people around you. One month, we're going to have a come and see challenge where we intentionally talk about how to invite someone to worship, what happens when they get here. We're going to talk about one month talking to your family about the gospel and some things that maybe we need to do. We're going to talk about how to be kind to people as a challenge. And so every month from July to December, there will be a new a new challenge for all of us to participate in. What our hope is, listen carefully, just because this is a six month project, what our hope is, is that every one of us will start to develop some habits in our lives. Habits that maybe you don't have right now. How many of you are, and I'm not asking for a show of hands, how many of you are regularly praying for people around you that you know are lost? And asking God to intervene in their lives in some way so that they can see the light of the gospel. So these monthly challenges are a part of this particular program. We are going to open an evangelism resource center in the foyer. It'll be right outside the glass doors. You'll see it, Lord willing, I think, next Sunday, Jordan, okay. Next Sunday, it'll be up. And we're going to have a lot of resources for you, a lot of things where you can have questions answered, uh, ways in which if you find somebody that, hey, I wanna study the Bible, you can have those resources and those materials, a lot of other things as well. Our fall and winter adult Bible classes will be geared toward evangelism in sync. We are going to have some classes, Lord willing, that help us as adults to become better proclaimers and sharers of the gospel. But we're also going to have some classes, especially in the auditorium, that are geared towards newcomers. People that may not know much about the Bible. And we're going to be presenting classes in the auditorium in the fall and winter where people that are your neighbors and your friends and, you know, I don't know much about this Christianity thing. What what do I need to know? We're going to have classes geared toward those things. We are going to try as a congregation, especially in our Sunday morning worship, we're going to be trying to be more intentional about helping everyone who's here. You know, we have visitors every week that just walk in off the street. They, they just Google, I want to go to a church, and, they, and our, our congregation comes up on the web, and they just say, I'm going to try that out. And they don't, know, they don't know much of anything about the churches of Christ or about the gospel. We're going to try and be even more intentional than we already are in helping those who come to be part of our assembly to understand and participate in what's going on. Some of that's going to involve maybe doing a little bit more explanation, for example, when we do the Lord's Supper, those kinds of things, talking about why we sing the way we do, those kinds of things. So for the next six months, especially, we're going to be doing this. We're going to not do this after December, okay? This is a project, Evangelism in Sync, and like all good things, they're much better when they have an end. But at the end of six months, our hope and our prayer for you is that you will have a renewed sense of what it means to help souls come to Christ and that you will have some very practical disciplines and structures and strategies in your life where you can start making that happen on your own. Just like reading in sync, it's a great thing to read the Bible together as a congregation. It's also time at some point to put that to bed and to say, you know how to read the Bible, keep reading. Same thing with evangelism in sync. And we'll do some things next year, Lord willing, if he allows the world to stand that long together as a congregation as well. I want you to be prayerful about this. I want you to think about what we've said this morning concerning participating in the mission of God because this is not extracurricular. This is not just some, you know, if you choose to, great. If you don't choose to, yeah, that's fine. This is who we are. 
We have found salvation. We have found Jesus Christ and we want to tell others about him and about his lordship and about his authority and about his word. We want people to know the light of the gospel. Thank you for listening this morning. Be prayerful about this. Be thinking about this. You'll see a lot of, a lot of things coming up in the next few weeks dealing with all of these things. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're not a New Testament Christian. You'd like to know more. We would love to be able to open the Bible with you and to talk about the glories and the greatness and the majesty and the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We'd love to be able to do that. If you have a desire to study more, there are a lot of people here that want to study with you. But not only that, maybe you have been studying and you're ready to obey the gospel and you want to put on Christ in baptism because you realize that the way someone becomes a Christian is by repenting and confessing Jesus' name and by being immersed in water for the remission of sins. You realize that that's the new birth, John 3 verse 5, and you're ready to participate in that new birth so that you can be a child of God and a part of his family. If you're ready to do that, there's no better time than the present, no better day than today. Won't you make that decision? Won't you come forward and make your need known while together we stand and while we sing?